Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. everybody and welcome back to another episode of passion for the pastime podcast i'm your host walter e cabalceta coming at you right after the wbc well a couple days after the wbc we had time to to sit back reflect on what was probably the one of the most iconic moments of baseball i mean not the most but definitely in the top five we had arguably the two best players of a generation, of a lifetime, with Shohei Otani facing off against his teammate, for now, Mike Trout. It was unbelievable to see uh, that matchup unfold. It was the dream matchup that, when we were talking about the WBC, that we were uh, that we wanted to see. When the WBC started and we saw the pools, we saw what could possibly happen. I know a lot of dominoes needed to fall. And we talked to John Morosi about that earlier in the month. We were talking about the WBC. And the the USA had to get through, you know, they had to get through Mexico. They had to get through uh, Venezuela. They had to get through Cuba. They had to get through a lot of teams to get to that point. And that's not to say Japan had to do the same damn thing. They had to do the same thing uh, to get through to the championship round. They had to beat Mexico, which was one of the best games, I think, of the tournament. Mexico and Japan, and then they had to get through uh, Puerto Rico and and Dominican Republic. There there was a lot of teams standing in their way. I know Japan didn't face every single one of them, but uh, it was very interesting, to say the least, that we all got to see that matchup unfold to wrap up one of the best tournaments, the best WBCs in its uh lifespan in the in the five tournaments that we've had this was definitely at the top of the list as the best tournament in its existence so we're going to break all this down we're going to talk about Shohei Otani we're going to see uh you know how Angels fans Angels organization took it all in to see that iconic moment with their two franchise players going head-to-head with the game on the line at the bottom of the ninth with two I mean it's it's storybook it's storybook and then we're going to talk about uh Shohei Otani his upbringing a little bit and See where he can what what's next for Otani? Where is he going to stay in LA? Is he going to stay on the West Coast? What options does Shohei Otani have moving into 2023 projecting that he will be a free agent in 2024? So we're going to talk with Orange County Register and author of Showtime, the story of Shohei Otani, Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register coming up on the other side. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. I'm your host, Walter, and on this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking with Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register, beat writer for the Los Angeles Angels, and covering the ins and outs of the great dual threat Shohei Otani because he was on full display in the WBC. Literally, the WBC was made for to showcase the talents of Shohei Otani. He faced off against his teammate, the matchup that we all wanted to see when we spoke earlier during uh, during the, the offseason with, with John Morosi. It was the matchup we wanted to see with Shohei Otani 
and Mike Trout. Team USA against Team Japan. It all went down. And to break it all down for us and what the future holds for Shohei Otani, we're going to be speaking with Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register and also author of Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. Jeff Fletcher, welcome to the show. Welcome back. And how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I mean, we have to get into, we have to dive into the Shohei Otani, uh, Mike Trout. I mean, that that was just a, a perfect end to what was probably the best tournament to date with the WBC. Um, but that's where we begin the conversation. The World Baseball Classic has everyone around the world, not even just, you know, in the States or, or if you're an Angels fan, baseball fan, whatever, just a, a sports fan in general, everyone around the world buzzing. And we ended up getting that iconic moment that we all wanted. Otani versus Mike Trout matchup two outs in the bottom of the ninth with the, with the game on the line uh, and in those final outs I saw that it peaked at 6.1 million viewers in those final 15 minutes so um, just a storybook ending for a fantastic tournament what are your takeaways uh, from that at bat as you saw that unfold well, I think first of all, it's just an incredible coincidence that uh, we even got this at bat. Because you know, is what everybody talked about. You know, basically, as soon as we knew that Trout was going to play for the U.S. and Otani was going to play for Japan, we said, "Oh, it'd be great if they faced each other." But there were so many things that had to happen uh, for it to actually occur, and for it to actually occur in the last out of the entire tournament with Trout representing the tying run. Uh, I just think that's just unbelievable that uh, that it worked out that way and it was you know Otani made some incredible pitches to get him out so it was a uh, was definitely entertaining yeah, Otani was definitely dialed in. So was Mike Trout. I mean, it was just a great moment uh, for the game of baseball. And just, just to see the excitement of of uh, Otani in, in the game prior to, to the USA final with uh, Japan taking on Mexico. I mean, this guy was getting on base and firing up his, uh, his team with Team Japan. I mean, is that just the type of guy, the type of personality? Because we haven't been able to see Otani perform on uh, the big stage. So, I mean, this was literally the biggest game to his career. Uh, is that kind of the the player that you have come to know over the couple of years as you're covering him down in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely had some big moments, and he definitely does get excited during Angels games, and there have been some times where he's, you know, pumped his fist and, and you know, gotten – going but it hasn't quite been to that extent and certainly not that many people watching uh, as he had this time so it was good for the whole world to kind of see uh, how good he is and what he can do but uh, it's no surprise to Angels fans because he's been doing it for a while. We're talking with Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register and uh, author of the Shohei uh, Showtime, that is, the inside story of Shohei Otani. A, a little bit on your book, Jeff. Uh, I just kind of want to get a, a little a little insight, knowledge into Shohei Otani. I mean, has he always been this kind of player to where his goal was to be a two-way player? Has it always been? Is that something that just developed as he was growing as a major league player? Like, how did this all come to be? Well, he, you know... He was a two-way player in high school, like just about all the good baseball players in high school anywhere, but uh, he didn't really believe that he could do that beyond high school. He just figured that teams would want him as a pitcher, and he was all set to skip playing in Japan and go straight to the United States, and he was going to sign with some team, and he was going to start in the minor leagues, and he was just going to be a pitcher. 
But the uh, team in Japan, the uh, the uh, Hokkaido Nippon Ham fighters convinced him, if you stay in Japan, we will let you be a two-way player. And that was sort of the first time it actually occurred to him. And they really made that promise to him, and they let him develop as a two-way player, and uh, probably more so than he would have in the United States. That No team in the United States probably would have put up with, you know, waiting on the, the hitting side while the pitching side was ready. And um, that's basically what happened. And then by the time he'd finished five years in Japan, he was sort of uh, developed enough that he could go to the major leagues and be successful in both roles right off the bat in the big leagues. In your time uh, covering him with the Angels, has he ever hinted at or has it ever stated that he likes doing one more than the other? Or is he just he just loves the game of baseball so much that, uh, you know, he's down to do both? Does he have a preference? Oh, he definitely wants to continue doing both. Uh, I think that he was really not happy during the time when he was rehabbing from his injury because he couldn't do both. And I think it affected his hitting even. I don't think he was as good a hitter when he wasn't pitching. Uh, Now, that being said, he is better as a pitcher than a hitter. He's never really slumped as a pitcher, whereas he has had, you know, a, a bad month as a hitter where things just don't go well. But as a pitcher, the only issues he's ever had are injury, basically. Uh, he's never really just not pitched well. So uh, I think that's his better side, but he definitely appreciates doing both. Yeah, it's definitely uh, j- just a spectacle to see. I honestly have not seen him uh, in person, but I hope to change that next week with uh, with the Angels coming to the Bay Area. And uh, Shohei will be on full display against the Oakland Athletics at the Coliseum. So um, it- it's just it's really amazing to uh, to see. Do-, do you do you believe that this is? Uh, going to be the last season for Shohei Otani in in, in uh, LA with the Angels. I mean, there's so so much, and when you look at the WBC and the the big stage that he was just on, you get a taste of that, right? You get a taste, you get the adrenaline, and there just hasn't been that that opportunity for the Angels. Uh, I know this is going to be a telling season, and and if the Angels make it to the playoffs, maybe there's a, a little bit of of the taste there. But because he has that taste, do you think that he's going to want to leave Los Angeles? Well, that's a tough question. I think that probably the more likely scenario is that he's gone than he returns just because the angels have not been good, you know, for his entire time there. Uh, now they have made a lot of changes this year. And so far, you know, as we sit here at the end of spring training, everything looks great in spring training. I mean, they're hitting on all cylinders and guys are healthy. And if the, if the team they put together stays together on paper, they're a very good team and they should make the playoffs and that could change the way Otani looks at things. But until that happens, you you just have to assume that he's going to want to go somewhere else. So, you know, the Angels have a season to convince him to, to play well and convince him otherwise and uh, certainly give him a lot of money, which I'm sure they would be willing to do if he's willing to stay. So uh, the bottom line is I, I'd probably give it about a 30% chance that he resigns with the Angels which is probably higher than most people think. But uh, I do know that he's comfortable there, and I know the Angels like him, and I actually believe the Angels have a chance to be good. So all of that, I think, contributes to that 30%. But still, there's there's 70% that, uh, you know, just the Angels' history has not been to get it done. And uh, there are going to be a lot of teams out there that that really want him and that do have a better 
chance of being consistently good. Yeah, and 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 you mentioned uh, the money, right? I mean, everyone's throwing out all these numbers, and no one really truly knows uh, what type of deal that Shohei Otani is looking at. But I mean, with the WBC coverage, there's been a lot of of uh, anecdotes on on Shohei Otani to where it doesn't seem like money is the biggest thing. And I and I know you're throwing around millions of dollars, and obviously, you know, if someone gives him four hundred million, and someone else offers him five hundred million you would think that he'd go to the 500 million but it doesn't seem like money is the biggest thing in Otani's world it seems like uh it's more of a legacy and again legacy that word can be you know uh described in different ways what is a le- what does legacy mean to you uh could be different from what it means to me but when you talk to Shohei Otani I mean what is the legacy that he wants to leave behind and would he could you foresee him leaving money on the table to fulfill whatever that definition of legacy is for him? Uh, I definitely think that he could leave money on the table. I think that, you know, I mean, first of all, let's just not be mistaken that he's going to get lots of money no matter what. So uh, he's going to have all the money he needs, period. And I think that if he really, if one team is offering him 500 million and another team's offering him 550 million, but he thinks that the 500 million team is a better fit for him, more comfortable, more chance of winning. I think he would take that. I don't think he needs to get every last dollar. And I think he proved that when he came to the angels in the first place, uh, because he could have waited a couple of years and made a lot more money, uh, just because of the way the, the rules were for international signings at that time. And there were other teams that could have offered him even a little bit more money, uh, when he first signed. So, you know, I think at that time it was just where you're going to be most comfortable, I think was the most important. So, uh, the answer is yes. I think he would. He could leave some money on the table, but I think it's not really relevant because the money he is going to get is going to be plenty. <laughs> right. I mean, we were talking about oh, he might he might just leave like fifty million on the table. Yeah. <laughs> and, no. and to us, like that's a uh, that's that's a lot of money. But you know, when you're talking about uh, the difference between four hundred four hundred fifty and five hundred, and he's like, oh, I'll take the four fifty. Uh, that's what we're looking at with Shohei Otani, uh, and it probably might might even be higher than that. I mean, uh, Buster only came out and said that uh, he he predicted to be six hundred million um, deal six hundred million dollar deal uh, in the future for Shohei Otani. And it, it, it could be. It could be. I mean, we we don't know. We're trying to look into the crystal ball and see how that's going to go. Um, but for Shohei Otani, I mean, it's 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 going to be a fun uh, season to watch him in in L.A. And I know you don't want to think about where he could possibly go, but I just I just need to ask: um, Do you think that? Uh, if it's not in L.A., I have my theory that it could be San Diego. But, I mean, do, do you think that it is uh, definitely going to be a West Coast team? Or do you think you can look on over to the East Coast and possibly New York? Well, trust me, I've been asked this question many, many times. Uh, he, I think it's probably going to be a West Coast team. Yeah. The only exception that I would say would be the Mets. And there's two big reasons for that. One is uh, Billy Epler was the general manager of the Angels when Otani first came. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people believe that Billy was really one of the driving forces towards Otani picking the Angels in the first place. And uh, also the Mets have Steve Cohen, who will, will certainly not be outbid by anybody. So those are two pretty big reasons to draw him toward the Mets. But I think otherwise, other than that, I would say all the other most likely teams are on the West Coast just because, you know, when 
he came over for the first time, basically five of the seven finalists that he picked were, were West Coast teams. So mm-hmm. I think he's got, you know, a preference towards being out here. He's comfortable out here. It's closer to Japan. So I would say that uh, that's probably how it would stand right now. Now, is there is there something to look at with, I mean, with the West Coast teams, and if you think back to, uh, you know, Japanese superstars with, with uh, Ichiro Suzuki, right? When you think about Ichiro with the Mariners, um, is that something that could – possibly draw him to Seattle how how do the Japanese fans look at Otani versus uh, Ichiro and because of the legacy of Ichiro would that kind of deter him on going to Seattle because he wants to make wherever he goes his own legacy yeah that was the thing that people talked about back in 2017 is that some people said he did not want to go to a team that already had kind of a Japanese star. Other people said that he did want to go to a team that already had a Japanese star. And we never really got the answer to that. He's never really said, I don't really put any stock in it. I think that he's, that is way down on his list of priorities. I think that he wants uh, to be someplace where he's comfortable just in, you know, the environment and the way he's treated and the way he can go about his life and, and the way the team will allow him to play the way he wants to play and win and be paid fairly. So I think as long as he gets those three things, I don't think he really cares if uh, if it's a team that Ichiro played for 20 years ago or not. I think that that is not really one of his toward the top of his list. We will definitely see. Uh, and Jeff, before I let you go, I just want to ask you about the book. Uh, where can people get the book? Uh, show Showtime, the inside story of uh, Shohei Otani, talking about the MVP season, the greatest two-way player of all time. Uh, where can people get it? And, and give, just l- give us a little info on the book. Uh, yeah, just Amazon or wherever you buy books. You know, if you go into any like Barnes & Noble, they'll probably have it there. Right. Uh, I'd say Amazon's probably the quickest way. But uh, it's basically a a look at his whole baseball journey from, you know, when he was growing up in Japan all the way through the 21 season when he won the MVP. And so it looks at, you know, a lot of uh, discussion about how he picked the Angels and how the whole process went of going from Japan to the United States and then sort of the ups and downs of his first uh, three years in the big leagues, which were not really – what we saw in the last two years. And I think a lot of people might forget that it wasn't just, he didn't just fall from the sky and become this great two-way player in 2021. There were those first three years that he had a lot of ups and downs and people weren't sure what to make of him. People thought he was a bust and uh, how did he turn around all that? So all that is a part of the story. The, the well-documented story, uh, you can go check that out. Showtime, uh, Jeff Fletcher. Jeff, thank you so much for joining the, the podcast and talking some Otani. Uh, literally the, the biggest story uh, around the planet is Shohei Otani, and I can't wait for uh, the season to start, and I can't wait to actually get to see him uh, showcase his two-way uh, playing abilities in Oakland for the first time uh, because I think that's definitely something that everybody needs to experience one time uh, in their life and it must be thrilling that you're covering him but Jeff thank you so much for uh, for taking the time we really appreciate it all right thanks for having me all right and there you have it with Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register beat writer for the Los Angeles Angels and chronicling the history of the great the iconic superstar global superstar in Shohei Otani so there is a lot to follow into this 2023 season and hey by the way opening day 
is next week. The storylines are going to be flooding in all season long. We're going to follow along with Shohei Otani, follow along with Mike Trout. Will the Angels make the playoffs? I don't know. We didn't even really get into that. But uh, this was all about Shohei. The WBC was made for Shohei with uh, Ted Williams saying that the All-Star game was made for Willie Mays. WBC was made for Shohei. Oh, Tani, and that's where I leave it, folks. That is it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks to Jeff Fletcher for breaking down Shohei Otani for us. And we're going to be following the Shohei Otani uh, storyline all season long, where he's going to end up, how he's doing. Is he going to win another MVP on his way out in Los Angeles? Will he get traded at the trade deadline? We're going to follow that all season long. But thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. It was a fun one. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And we are going to uh, to continue on to next week because hey next week is opening day no more meaningless baseball other than wbc no more spring training the spring training is too long we need we need to shorten that thing just shorten it to two weeks come on come on what are we doing the opening day is coming back next week march 30th if you're in the bay area i'll be out there a lot of us will be out there to go see the spectacle the dual threat the two-way player the greatest player on the planet, on this face of the planet Earth. He's not, he might not even be from Earth. Shohei Otani. He's going to be at the Coliseum. I highly recommend that you get on out to the Coliseum to see him pitch because it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime event that you can recall. So here we go, wrapping it up. You guys have a good one. Be safe, and we will talk to you next time.